So we learned a lot about um, discernment through uh, Nehemiah, how God gave him discernment. Remember how he prayed uh, in the beginning and asked God after he heard how things were in Jerusalem, the walls and the temple and all that stuff, it really hurt him. It hit his heart. And he prayed to God and God gave him what he prayed for. And he accomplished so much within a short span of time because of his faithfulness. Well, there's something else I've been thinking about. Um, there are some great things that God does for us all the time, and we take it for granted. But here's the thing that we should have in our mind, that the God that we serve, let me see if I have it on this thing here. Um, listen to this. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. How excellent is your name in all the earth. And uh, so what is his name? You think we're talking about just the name that we repeat, like Jehovah Jireh, or are we talking about Jesus? Or what's the name that is actually being promoted in all the earth? His word. Uh, if you, if you uh, look in the book of Revelation, you'll find out that that name that was written on his thigh was the what? The word of God. That's him. It's the word. That's his name. And um, so we're involved in the word of God. We're involved in his name. We're, we're called by that name because the word is in us. Is Jesus the word? Yes, he's in us. So we're called by that name. And the name is the word of God. Uh, yeah, we have a specific name that God's going to give us and God's going to reveal that at his time, but such a blessing to be in the name. Uh, there was something that we believed when we were in religion, and they thought just saying the name of Jesus was enough. But you got to believe in all of his word. Got to believe in all of his word. I remember sometimes people would be standing up there, and they called themselves casting out devils, and they would anoint people and stand there and hold them, and they just scream at that devil. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Well, they didn't know any word, didn't have any faith, weren't obedient, uh, you know, all these things. And they expected these things to happen just because they used the name. Well, you got to know what that name is, number one. And you have to have a relationship with God in such a way that, that God hears you when you pray and that he can send forth the healing that's needed at the time. Such a powerful thing. Um, how many of you uh, remember this opening, so to speak, um, in the book of Luke? Uh, Luke writes down all these great things that he's been witness to and, and the things that he's been told, uh, whatever. And then he, he addresses it to a man who says, Oh, most excellent Theophilus. You remember that? If you go look in the book of Acts, which is written by Luke also, he starts off again, and guess what? He's talked to who again? Theophilus, you, you started those two books. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that this is true, what I'm about to say, but it, it makes sense to me. Um, you know, people that call themselves biblical scholars, they say that, that Luke uh, was a Gentile and that he was born in Antioch, okay? Now, I don't see that in the Bible anywhere, but it may be true from, you know, some other text or something that they've, they found out. But if that's true, he's the only Gentile that wrote books. The gospel, the only Gentile to write a gospel, Matthew, Mark, and then there's Luke, and then there's John, the four gospels. If he is that, he's the only Gentile to write a gospel. Now, 
here's the thing that's very cool. He also wrote the book of Acts, and he was a contemporary of Paul. How many of you just realized that Luke was almost constantly in the, in the presence of Paul? When Paul was in prison in Rome, he went to visit him there. You know, Luke is, is a guy that kind of bridges uh, the time between the original disciples becoming apostles and then Paul appearing on the scene, what, 13, 14 years later, whatever it is. But he kind of bridges that gap. And uh, he was a constant companion with, with Paul. Now, here's another thing, too. They said Luke was a physician. You know, they call Luke the physician. I think that's in the book of Colossians, if you want to go look it up. I think it's the fourth chapter or something like that. But they said he's the, he's the beloved physician, okay? Uh, so there's a lot of things that this Luke is doing. But think about this. He calls this guy most excellent Theophilus. And usually, you know, you've heard people, you've seen movies and stuff like that where people come in and say your excellency and, you know, stuff like that because they're giving honor to somebody that's a governor or king or something like that. But we're talking about somebody that's in the church. And we're talking about a Greek person because Theophilus is a Greek name. So we're talking about a Greek person in the church that believes God. And this person is so important that Luke writes the gospel to him and addresses it to him. And he also writes the book of Acts and addresses it to him. And he says, I want to put in order and, and show you these things that have happened that God did in both cases. Now, if you go back and you read a lot about Luke, he talks a lot about Peter. It gears more toward Peter's life. But when you go to the book of Acts, it's geared toward Peter and Paul are included in that. Those are the two main characters he talks about. But in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, he talks a lot about Peter. Peter seems to be the main focus, as well as Jesus, of course. But talking about the things that Peter accomplished. So it's, it's kind of a, a strange thing how he, he's put in with the gospel there. Um, Matthew and Mark were obviously written first. But, but the thing is, all of his, his uh, union with Paul and with Peter and so forth, he writes so much that sets in order things for us. This is such a powerful thing. And so you read the book of Luke, you read the book of Acts, you find out that this Theophilus must have been somebody pretty important. I'm talking about important in the church because he's writing these things to him so that he in turn can share it with the church. And it's very powerful, the things he sets in order, the history of, of the disciples concentrating on Peter and then going to the Acts, the history of the apostles and the things that happened to them. He's letting Theophilus know this Greek man, this Gentile man, of which Paul probably established in one way or another through the churches, that all of these things are important. We have eyewitnesses for these things, and these are the things God wants us to know. In fact, he said God told him to set them in order. That's a powerful thing, it, it, that God is telling them this is what you have to do. Now remember, these men wrote these books and wrote the things that they did by what? By what helped them to write it? The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, had their, they were moved by the Holy Ghost to write these things. So we know this man is a believer. He may have not been one of the original disciples, but he's a believer. And he worked closely with Paul. There's a, another place in there where they said Paul's in, I can't remember where he's at, but he tells everybody, oh, Luke is with me. You know, don't worry about me, Luke is with me. Very powerful stuff. You go read these things in the Bible, you see there's a relationship. You know, lots of relationship. And so... Uh, but yeah, he's the beloved physician. Now, think about this. If he was a physician uh, in what he did, you know, when Jesus and all of them came on the scene, what kind of physician do you think he was by the time he learned about Jesus? Remember, a physician is one who heals. 
what do you think he kind of turned into? He may have been a, a regular physician, what they knew of as a physician in those days, one who heals. But now he knows the word of God. And what, what does the healing? Jesus does the healing. You look at James chapter 5, it's all about Jesus doing the healing. It's all about calling for the elders of the church and anointing with oil and allowing God, the righteous man, to do the healing. That's what it is. So I believe he was a physician to the soul, that he, he helped people to understand that the healing is going to come through Jesus and it's not going to come through a natural thing in man. So is there some things he could have done as a, a natural man to relieve people's you know pain or whatever it is, things that he had learned. But once he learned God, I believe he exercised his healing through God. That's just my own personal opinion. But uh, I believe Luke became the great physician in many other ways. Some people even said he was an evangelist. We don't have that written in the word, but just from things that they know in texts and so forth and how he accompanied Paul in different places that he did travel. He did travel. Just like Paul said, hey, Luke is with me right now wherever he was at. I think he was in Rome when he said that. But he said, hey, Luke's with me. You know, so it's very important to understand that this man was a follower of Christ. He was a follower of the apostles. This man wrote these things down, and God obviously chose him to write these things because he gives us such an insight to some of the things with Jesus and the disciple Peter that we know as Peter when he writes the book of Luke, and then all the stuff he writes about Acts, you know, the things that happened in Acts. All of those things he was privy to. And God brought all that back to him by the, by the Holy Ghost. Very powerful thing. So this word excellent, the excellency is, is a title in some cases. When they say, hey, excellency, whatever. When he says most excellent Theophilus, Theophilus had obviously had a position somewhere in the church that he was high enough that he called him that. You know, just like you would say excellency or something. But in other places, the word excellent means something completely different. When God starts talking about it, I just read to you how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Remember we just read? So this is when God is excellent. And when he starts talking about excellence, he's talking about something very specific. We say excellence is we're doing our best and we did a great job. You know, we're the best, we're the mightiest, we're the whatever, noblest, whatever it may have been. We, we did excellently, right? You, you tell somebody they did an excellent job or whatever. And so what do we mean by that? Is that above the norm? Is that what we're meaning? We say, hey, that's above the norm. You're excellent. You did an excellent job. And uh, we had a guy the other day that did some stuff for us. Or he did an excellent job for what he did, you know, pouring that concrete over there and whatever. I mean, an excellent job. But, but very humble guy. I like that about him. I like that he's humble. And, you know, he does his work does a good job. And I told him, I said, that is good. He said, thank you very much. <laughs> he was very, very humble about it. But uh, it's, it's a very good deal when somebody can be in a position of excellency and yet be humble. That's very important. Be in a position of excellency, doing the excellent work of God, and still yet be humble at the feet of the Lord. That's the thing that's important. Where does excellency come from? Paul talks about his excellent knowledge of certain things, but that all came to him through who? Through Jesus. The grace of God was working in him, okay? So this is what you give the credit to who it's due, you know? Just like uh, Dan was saying this morning, say, we know we may say Rick and Dan and all that stuff, but who are we really talking about that's given us the stuff that he's given us? Who's provoking us to excellency? It's Christ that's doing it, man. We understand that it's all about God, not about us. 
It's about us receiving the things that God has given us. Very important stuff. But there's something I found out about uh, excellency. I'm going to use this thing here because it has bigger letters, and my eyes aren't as good as they used to be, so I like the big letters. And I can just go ahead and, and look at those things and, oh, no, this is good. This is good. Just like that. It's going to be perfect. Listen to this. Uh, you'll hear that word excellent in this, but we're going to get an understanding of what excellency really means from God. Uh, I'm from, I'm in Proverbs 8. Now it starts off, verse 1, I'm going to read, starting at verse 1. Listen to this. Doth not wisdom cry? And understanding put forth her voice. So this is a heard thing, isn't it? You think, where are we hearing it from? Are we hearing it through the Spirit? Are we hearing it through the preached Word of God? Yes, we're hearing it that way. She standeth in the top of high places by the way and the places of the path. No matter which way you go, whether it's high or in a path, she's going to be there. Wisdom. You notice it calls her a she too, huh? So what are we coming to an understanding of about if it's called a she? It's going to reproduce, but who is it? It's the godly woman. It's the godly woman that has the understanding. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, when it, people going into the soul, at the coming in at the doors. My wife and I were talking about doors yesterday, weren't we, Ma? That how the door has to be open for, for Christ to come in, okay? Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Ye simple, O ye simple, understand wisdom. And ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Wait a minute, it's using the word understanding a lot right now, huh? First it started off with wisdom, now it's using understanding. Now listen to this. Here, for I will speak of excellent things. And the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth and write to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Now, we're catching this here, huh? We, we're, we're getting the understanding of when God talks about riches, what is he really talking about? Wisdom and understanding. Those are the riches that he's really talking about. And we're not talking about carnal things here. We're talking about the riches that God speaks of. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and an evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. Now look at the next verse. I am understanding. So wait a minute. Is wisdom and understanding on the same plane? Because wisdom is saying, I am understanding. You really can't have one without the, the other when we're talking about God. Okay? So she says, I am understanding. So I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree ju justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. Remember when we were told that God loves them who we love? This is kind of where all of this comes from. If you love the things of God, you're going to love the wisdom and understanding of God, huh? And you're going to love those that have that wisdom and understanding. But now here's the key. What about those that don't have it? Can your love go toward them to where God can deliver it to them? That's what you hope for. You hope that they get the wisdom and understanding because you love them and because we love God. God loves us, okay? 
And so it says here, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. This word durable means the real riches, the durable ones, the ones that last in heaven, the ones that don't fade away. Moth and rust doth not corrupt because you put it above. You put the wisdom and understanding God has given you above. How does that work? When God gives it to you, you have to give at least what back to him? Give a tithe back to him. At least give 10% back to him. You know what? It's not limited to that. You can give back everything God gave you. If you're, if you're excellent enough in following God and being provoked, what God gives you, you give back to him and to others, right? You can do that. But the minimum would be what? That tenth is giving that back to God. And you know what? The reason they say that? Because that tenth is going to be something. That's enough to get you what? Started on a path to where you can give 80, 90, 100%. Right? You got to start somewhere. You notice how they talk about the, the word in the different grounds. But some reproduces 100, 60, and 30-fold. Huh? Realistically, if you receive the word of God, the wisdom and understanding that God is giving from heaven, you will abound. You will abound in those things. The scripture talks about us abounding in the things of God. You will abound. Those things will grow. They will continue to grow. And you'll go, it says 100, right? It starts, you notice how it's written? It starts 100 first. 100, 60, 30. We say 30, 60, 100, but it goes 100, 60, 30, according to your several abilities, huh? But this is what God is telling us. We can give the hundred. We can give everything back to him that he gave to us. And that's great, isn't it? What if we can have our focus like Nehemiah had his focus to where everything God said to him, he believed and walked on it and stood on it and discerned it and then gave it all right back to God, gave his whole life to giving it back to God. That's very important. But what do you think about these disciples? What do you think about Luke? What do you think about Paul? What do you think about Peter? Did they not give their lives back to Christ fullness of it they were provoked to give their all and that's what the excellency is going to be this is why it says this wisdom and understanding I think you're getting it now the excellent thing is the wisdom and understanding of God that's what it's talking about when it talks about excellency when it talks about being excellent is having the wisdom and understanding of God and like Jacob said a little while ago reproducing it getting it forth giving it back to God following God, not letting yourself be distracted, not letting yourself be pulled off, but being provoked to follow the Lord. Walk in the light as he is in the, you continue to follow. Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. Are we following people that God has given an understanding to? For sure. Uh, Rick, in that message, some of you will hear this, uh, that Dan said you can have access to when he did the ordaining thing in 2013. Part of that that he talks about, this provoking he talks about, is to be able to follow and follow those that fell with understanding. I think you'll get, when you start hearing this thing, you'll figure out that God said, when Rick did that ordaining, he's telling us, these are ordained because these are the ones that fell with understanding. They're supposed to be the elders that lead the church. And he was number one in it, and he had to reproduce us. And we, in turn, are reproducing others. Isn't that how it works? So this is how what he talks about. It's, it, some of the things Rick says in that thing are the same things that we're learning right now. Again, but it was done back in 2013. The, some of the same words, the coming together, the, the consciousness, the 
all the things about understanding what God's will was for us from the beginning. He speaks about those things. And now we're, that's from 2013 to now. It's been almost 10 years. Next year will be 10 years. And he was speaking that stuff back then. What does that show us? We need to be provoked even more, huh? Those were things that he, he put as a seed into the ground. And look at what it's reproduced so far. It's been great. These last 10 years have been great in what's been reproduced. But now it goes back to where he spoke it into prophecy and it's coming to pass. He spoke it to all of us. He said, these are not going to be the end of everything that's ordained. There's going to be more, isn't there? There's going to be more. The church is going to grow. It's as simple as that. But for now, this is it. This is the thing that God has. He's brought us together. This is going to start us off, I believe, in our pastor's conference, even this time, going back and revisiting the things that God told us years ago and seeing if we progressed in those things. See if we're getting very co much closer. See if we're what? Becoming a one. See if we're granting the things within our own spirit that need to be there for us to follow God. And when I say that, that means we have to yield our will. Isn't that it? We have to yield our will and our mind to the mind of Christ. That's what God wants. There has to be a transformation. There has to be a change. And that's what's happening to us right now. More change, more change, what? To get more involved in the excellency of God, the excellency of his word. So we want to be excellent, don't we? We want to do the excellent thing. These men, he said, oh, ex most excellent Theophilus. Man, man must have been doing some things, huh? And think about this, to write two books to him? Because that's how he was looking at it. But then it got put into the New Testament, didn't it? But to write these things to a person like that and telling them the things that God has done and what God's going to continue to do, even through prophecy. Tell them this is what these apostles are going to do. This is what the church is going to become. Luke gets a chance to write all that. The physician gets the chance to write all of it. This is a very powerful thing. So uh, there's another part of this thing. It's very cool. Like I said, I like the big lettering, big I read that part, uh, says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Lead in the way, I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Jesus said it, didn't he? Store your treasure. and I will cause your treasure to have substance. Who is the substance? It's Jesus. Jesus is the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He is the substance. It's the substance of Jesus in us that makes us excellent, that makes the word excellent, that causes excellency to be on high. God is excellent, so we should try to be, yeah, God is perfect, so we should try to be perfect. You see how this works? God loves, so we should try to love. It's the same thing. So the excellency of God comes down to us in the form of wisdom and understanding. There's a lot of other things. It's prudence. It's, it's discretion. It's a lot of different things. But all of it totally is the wisdom and understanding of how to do, where to do, when to do. It's all about God. I'm talking about in the spirit of God, in the things of prophecy. This is what's going to happen. Wisdom builds the foundation, right? Has the foundation. And that understanding will build that house on it, won't it? 
That's how it's going to work. Wisdom is the principal thing, it says. Doesn't it say that? And then it says it's a she. She is the tree of life. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about the very life and eternity that we live. It's all going to be based on the excellency of the knowledge of God through wisdom and understanding. We have to be excellent with it. Your goal should be to be excellent in the things of God, to be provoked to be excellent in the thing, because God's excellent, so we should be excellent. Now, I told you guys something uh, the last couple of weeks. Even on our job, even in this physical realm, should we try for excellence? Most assuredly. We should try to be the best on our job. This is the excellency that God is talking about. Because even though you're talking about the excellency of God in the spiritual, will that spill over into this physical realm? You will do the right thing and tell the truth because that's what you do in the spirit. You will rely on wisdom and understanding in the spirit so that you can gain that type of stuff here. God will give you wisdom here about how to do. We can make wise decisions, can't we? We can use the knowledge that God has given us to help others. This is a very powerful thing. So will it spill over into the natural realm? Most assuredly. That's if we allow it to do it. What man of God should be running around doing every filthy thing there is in the earth and still calling himself a man of God? It doesn't work. The excellency means you have to have the wisdom and understanding. Didn't she say she was clean? She takes care of all the, the things. She doesn't go, she's not going to do anything that, that is froward or perverse is what she, the words that they use here. Not froward, not perverse. We're going to be something different. So are we peculiar people? We are peculiar, aren't we? So what makes us peculiar? The excellency of God. We do things according to the will of God and not according to our own will. The excellency of God causes us to strive to be provoked to do better. Better for God. Being the type of servant that he's calling on. I tell you, old Luke did the deal, didn't he? Wrote two books and gave us some great understanding of how this thing works. And to set it all in order. Man, to be a contemporary of Paul too, to know Paul the way he knew him. Very powerful stuff. Paul counted him as a great servant to him. Great servant. But you may not have thought of Luke that way. You may have thought of him just as the gospel writer. But think about what he did. He traveled. He did whatever he had to do. He wrote. But God took all of that and used that. Remember, it said the excellency is in his name, right? God put that name, that word of God out there, and Luke did an excellent job. And he wrote to an excellent man who was going to continue to give that to other Gentiles. Theophilus is a Gentile. Say, I'm going to share what Luke gave me. I'm going to share it with you. Are we not in the Gentile dispensation? We are right now. Are they being grafted in? Is this really the new Israelite, the one that does the will of God? It talks about that tree being grafted in, you know, the Gentile being grafted in. Is he now supposed to be an example of what the true Jew is supposed to be? That's true. And yet the Jews despised them up until that point, huh? We have to get an understanding. God said, I concluded Gentile and Jew both, all under sin, that I can save all of them. That's his whole thing. No separation, no difference anymore, no respect of persons, but all of them becoming brothers in the Lord, coming to a one. And now what can I do with them? Ah, this is the new Israel. This is the great one that's going to follow. This is the one that's going to be obedient, the one that's going to be grafted in to be the true Jew. This is going to be a cool thing, huh? That's us. That's us being the followers of God in excellency, doing the best we can toward God. 
because we've been grafted in. And by being grafted in, he said, you're no different than the tree that was, the actual tree. If you remain faithful, you do the faithful thing, you're going to be the true Jew. Those Jews that they talk about, the tribes, you know, 12,000 out of each tribe, whatever, when it talks about it in Revelation, where do you think God's going to get those righteous Jews from? Do you think maybe at one time they had been Gentiles, now they are the true Jew? Uh-huh. A lot of that's going to be them. So wait a minute, all these tribes and all these numbers and stuff, it's a representation. It's a representation of the government of God. It's a representation of what God's going to do through the Gentile to provoke Israel to jealousy, and then they'll become better than what they were before. But these are going to be the true Jews, and they'll look at them and say, you know what, we need to have done that. But we messed up, didn't we? But God's given us another chance. He's given us another chance to be our good. My prayer for Israel, Paul says, is that they might be saved. Isn't that it? So then we can all be one together, can't we? Like it says in Ephesians, we can all be one. But it's going to be done through the excellency of the word of God, through his name, through understanding that word that is the name. Excellency. This is what God requires. Are you provoked to do excellent things? Because God is excellent. Are you provoked to do it? Are you provoked to do an excellent job? We try so hard to do it here in a physical realm. Well, let's try to do it in the spirit. Let's try to do it in the word of God. And that will spill over to this realm. Instead of you doing a work trying to do it here, why not do it through the spirit and allow God to bring it forth as a fruit in you here? Isn't that greater? That's going to be much better. And number one, God can guide you in it. The way you do it by your own spirit and by your own flesh is going to cause you a bunch of mess. It's a work. It leads you in a distraction. But what if you let God do it? Ah, let the excellency come from heaven where excellency is. Wisdom and understanding. Later on, she starts talking about, I was there with God in the beginning. Wisdom. I was there when he laid out the heavens and the, and the earth and so forth. Wisdom was there with him. The godly woman was always there. Isn't that true? And by the wisdom and understanding, God created all things because he created them through Jesus Christ, which is also the wisdom and understanding. Is he not? That tree in that garden with the wisdom and understanding, is it male and female? Yes, it is. Is it Jesus? Yes, it is. Is it her, the godly woman? Yes, it is. This is powerful if you think about it. So excellency. Let's try to do excellent things for God. Excellent things. Excellency requires a provoking to do better, to be mightier, to be more noble than what you have been. Uh, there was one scripture in Acts, I think it talks about the group that was at Antioch or Ephesus, whatever, was more noble than those that were in Thessalonica. It, me it mentions that. You can have levels of being more noble or more excellent in things. You can. There's levels to it. You progress. You start off with a certain amount, but you can progress in the excellency of the things toward God. You will grow in excellency. You will grow in perfectness. You can do that. We say, oh, I can't be perfect. You keep thinking like a man, you won't be. You'll never be perfect. But if you think like God and you're part of God, you can be perfect. If, or else why would he tell you, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect? Would he give you something impossible to do? Or is it very possible through him? through the excellency of his word and following it and be provoked by it. That's going to get you there. Let's, let's put it upon ourselves, provoke ourselves to be more excellent in everything we do toward God. More excellent. 
and we can abound in all things as we are excellency. Strive for the excellency that can only be in God. See how that works? Makes sense, doesn't it? So excellent is not what we call excellent here. The excellency in God is the wisdom and understanding of him. It's the very thing. It's wisdom working and understanding working actively in your life. Does that make sense? So now we understand what the excellency really is. Let's try to be excellent for God. That's all I have unless somebody has a comment or somebody have a comment. Go ahead. Here listening to the message that you're speaking, that we, we can take that in a wrong spirit. We can. And we can start striving against your brother and your sister trying to be better than they are. And that's not what this is about. This is an individual walk with, that you have between you and God, not your brother, not your sister, God. Because that's what's going to, in the end, mean everything, is how you perceive it with God. Sure. And how you work that out with God, not with me. Dan so don't strive. Don't right. strive against each other. Strive for contention. Dan spoke it this morning. Remember when that scripture talks about, I am of Paul, I am of Paulus, I am of Cephas? It's not the person. It's not whatever that person provokes you in the word to do, you do your best at it. Be excellent at it because it all goes back to Jesus. Jesus is the one that gets the credit. Not Paul, not Apollos, not Cephas. Jesus, who adds to the church daily such as should be saved. It's Jesus that does. The Lord does that. So he should get the glory and the credit for it. The excellency of what he gives you should be returned to him. Should be returned to him because he's the one that gave it to you. This is a very powerful thing. He gave you the tools where you can be excellent in the things of God. Let's strive to be excellent. That's a good thing. huh? It's not to be above anybody. I like what Dan says. Did Dan save you? Did Rick save you? No. Were they the ones that God caused to be here, fell with understanding, to guide us in what we need to do? But they're guiding us to Jesus. That's the thing. They're not guiding us to self. They're guiding us to Jesus. And they're fulfilling the excellency of their provoking from heaven. That's what they're fulfilling, the wisdom and understanding of God that he's given to them for the purpose of what? Making the church perfect. Isn't that true? What you just said about the elders and about uh, Dan and, and uh, Gary and all those guys, all the elders, <clears throat> the excellency of God that you're talking about, it reminds me of a constant testimony that's constantly being spoken because it always has witness. It's just a testimony of what God is doing, the testimony of the excellency of Jesus. And that's what I hear from all the elders, from all the deacons, is the continuance and uh, them continuing in the word of God. Right. And that excellency is constantly being spoken and preached and taught to us where we turn around and we have our testimony and our witness of what God is doing in us because it's an inward work and it's a work of God. So that's when you know that God is speaking or God is actually working in an individual is because their testimony is always of the excellency of Jesus. Sure. And their excellency is this. The purpose of the excellency through the wisdom and understanding, is it going to lead us to a one? No division, all together in one? That's what it's leading us to. If we be the excellent of the earth, salt of the earth, if, we, if we're going to be at the light of the world, what if we did that? What if we fulfilled all of that? Would it not lead us to being together in a one? Because we're following Christ. 
it'll bring us to a one. And we're constantly learning the things we need to learn to be a one. You listen to all these messages, all the things that are coming forth, constant messages to help us to be excellent and to be one. The epitome of excellency is to be one in God. Does that make sense? Very good stuff. 